Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad that you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to the third in our series, Next. We think that this is going to be something you want to hear. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. Morning, Kingdom Church family. We're so glad that you guys could be here joining us online to our live studio audience. Thank you guys for being here. And if you guys want to be part of our live studio audience, text me because we can get you front row seats to this place. Uh, but for all of us, most of us watching on live, right, online right now, we're live. And so we just want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we don't exactly know how long it's going to be like this, but for right now, this is our new normal. And so we're just so excited you could be here. And because we don't exactly know how long this is going to last, what that means for everyone online, for everyone who's here this morning with us, uh, because this is our new normal, we're going to treat this like we treat any Kingdom Church service. And so for anyone that comes to Kingdom Church, you know what I always say. I say that as a church, we respond. As a church, we get loud. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And so there we go. And so for you guys at home, getting loud, man, if, I hope and I hope you're watching with friends, with family. Um, that means get loud at home. Uh, if you're on the keyboard, you can just type amen, you can shout yeah, whatever is good. We want you to respond. And so uh, in keeping kind of with the normalcy, the normalcy of how we do things around here, uh, we're actually in the third part of a series that we started at church called Next. And it was just interesting. I was just sort of thinking this week, I was just talking to the Lord, like, should we do something different? Should we do something special? Uh, because we are online. Um, but I just felt the Lord say, you know, uh, we could be like this for a while. And the reality is, I think this series, um, next, this idea that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, that God has a next for each and every one of us, I think that it's so necessary right now and so relevant. And so uh, we, I got a word this morning. That's all I want to say. Uh, it's part three of our series. I'm super excited for this. And so in keeping with how we do things, I want to read a passage of scripture uh, and it's going to kind of take us on the direction that I want to go this morning. It's found in John chapter 21, and I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it involves two of my favorite things, Jesus and brunch. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so uh, I'll give you guys a little background of what's going on. Uh, Jesus has died. Um, he's resurrected. And so the disciples are about to see him again. And this is not the first time, but they're going to see him Again, so uh, John 21 says this, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Well, we'll go with you, they said. And so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus was there, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and then he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came to him in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them and said, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And verse 12, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. (laughs) Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. I want to call the title of our message this morning, What Really Matters. What Really Matters. Um, I want to go back for a moment to December, to Christmas. I know it's March and a lot of us, like, we don't want to go back to December. But I want to go back to a time, 2019, you guys maybe remember it. Uh, It was around the time everyone was saying 2020 is going to be my year. The Lord has a funny sense of humor. Um, but we're going back to December. Now, uh, Christmas time specifically. And so this last Christmas in our household was a very special Christmas for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, our brand new baby girl twins, uh, they were in the world with us this Christmas. So this was the very first Christmas uh, that we actually had our babies uh, with us. Uh, that was super special. But what was also special is that for the very first time, uh, my, my, my siblings, my brother and sister, they had their significant others with us for Christmas. Very first time. And so uh, this was really cool. It's never happened before. And so uh, as you guys know, as, as you kind of get older, Christmas shifts, Christmas changes. And so we kind of had a great dilemma this year. Because uh, kind of how we do Christmas is that we all get each other gifts. One or two gifts, but we all get each other things. But now that these significant others are in the picture... Uh, things change. You guys know what I'm saying? Because now, like, you have to buy a whole bunch more gifts. And it's not just the quantity of gifts, but it's the price. Come on, somebody. Are you paying attention online? Uh, And so we had this great debate. Should we do Secret Santa or should we just all give each other gifts? And uh, I suggested that everyone does Secret Santa, but just they give me gifts. that one, that one didn't fly, and so we decided to kind of keep things normal. We were all going to buy each other gifts. That was what we decided. Now, uh, again, this brings up the dilemma that there's just a lot of presents, um, which is fine. We did it. We all bought each other presents. The only real problem we had was that Christmas morning, my brother's uh, fiance Daniela, she had a flight back to Winnipeg at around 11:30, and so as a family, uh, we kind of were, were speaking and we said, you know, it's probably it's probably best. Uh, if we would just open kind of the stuff that she got um, with her, eat breakfast, and then you take her to the airport and we do the rest after because there just won't be enough time. Sounds logical, right? Like that just, that makes sense. Uh, My brother, he decided, he said, no, 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 we're going to try to open all the presents before she left. And we told him that probably won't work. Uh, but he would not relent, and so we tried to open all the presents before she had to leave. And so kind of how we do things usually is we, we eat breakfast, we open presents, we relax. Uh, pretty much after we opened like three presents, uh, we realized uh, this was probably not going to happen in time because of just the amount of gifts. Uh, we have brand new babies, and so things were going uh, very fast. But my brother still would not relent. He would not give up. And so he just decided instead of us slowing down, he was going to pack up the pace. And so he literally just like, he started throwing presents at people. He's like, you open it, you open it, you open it. Now here's the thing. As you get older, uh, hopefully, if, if you matured, you, you don't necessarily care so much about getting the presents. It's that moment where you get to give the presents, right? And you get to see the reaction of the people uh, that get the gifts. But my brother is just going hammer time, throwing these presents. And so no one can really see anything. <laughs> wrapping paper is flying. It's just chaos. Now, when it comes to Christmas, since being married 
uh, my beautiful wife, who just happens to be in the live studio on this, uh, this morning. You can give her some <laughs> praise uh, online. Uh, since we got married, I sort of allow her to, you know, really buy everyone's gifts in terms of like just picking it out because, you know, she's got that flair, she's got that taste. Uh, but for myself, there is one gift that I do give out, uh, that I do pick out, I should say. And that one gift is the gift that I buy for my brother. Uh, and the reason that I pick out that gift is because, generally speaking, I get him something that I myself would want. Um, because we have similar tastes, we have similar interests, and so I know uh, if I like it, he's going to like it. Now, one of our shared interests is Tiger Woods. Come on, somebody, any Tiger Woods fans out there. Now, Tiger Woods, greatest of all time, one of the greatest golfers, probably one of the greatest humans. Um, <laughs> And everyone just logged off. I'm just, we like Tiger Woods. You can form your own opinion. Uh, so we, we, both of us, we love Tiger Woods. And so when Tiger Woods golfs, he wears these really cool shirts, like kind of these collarless shirts with just the Nike logo and just the swag. And so for Christmas this year, I, brought, I bought my brother one of these polos. And so I was super excited to give him the polo to see his reaction. And like, I'm someone that like, I hype up my gifts. Anyone else do this? And so like, I'm like letting them know, like, like, I hope, like, I hope you got me something good uh, because I got you something good. Like, it's, you're not even going to believe what it is. And so I'm just so excited to open the present, to watch him open the presents. And now again, like he's going hammer time. He's throwing all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that he would open my gift. I know like it's, it's crazy in here, but he's going he's gonna, mean, to make sure I'm in the building. Uh, I'm in the room. But what happened was that I had to go change one of our baby girl's diapers because newborn babies go to the bathroom a lot. Uh, I guess all babies go to the bathroom a lot. And so I had to go change uh, one of the girl's diapers. And so again, I'm just thinking to myself, in the chaos, it's fine. Uh, I don't really care about any other gift. I just want to see him open this gift. So I go, I change the diaper, and I get back into the room. And when I get back into the room, my brother is in there holding the t-shirt that I had bought him uh, in, in his hands. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he was looking pretty sheepish. Like, he knew he messed up. And uh, I was pretty angry, because I, I didn't get to see the reaction. I was super angry, and I let him know. I said, you messed up. I said, you ruined Christmas. <laughs> you, you ruined, and I was just, I was so angry. And I said to him, I said, man, like, you were so focused on getting all the presents open, you missed what really mattered. You missed what was actually important. Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question online, everyone here. Have you guys ever been so focused on something that you missed out what was actually important? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's funny because as, as, as mad as I was and as much as I let him know he messed up, the reality is too for myself. Like I was so angry uh, that he opened my gift. Uh, I was so focused on that. I also missed out what was really important because at the end of the day, reactions are cool. But what's most important uh, is giving, right? And I just... I was just so focused on one thing, I couldn't see anything else. I was so focused on not being able to see that reaction. I just totally forgot that, you know, there is life outside of this. I could have satisfaction every time we're on the golf course and he's wearing it, every time I'm beating him on the golf course. Uh, but in that moment, I was just so focused on one thing. Uh, I missed out what really mattered. What I want to do this morning for all of us, I want to speak on the subject again of what really matters. You see, I think for so many of us in life, we have been in a place where we're so focused on one thing, we're so focused on something particular that we can actually miss out on what really matters. Yeah. Have you guys ever experienced this before? 
you're like, well, you're like, well, what does that look like, Harrison? Have you guys ever been so focused, maybe for families out there? It's like, man, like I'm so focused on providing for my family. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to grind it. But you're just so focused on working, you've actually missed out spending time with your family. Have, have, have you guys ever been so angry about something only to realize, man, that really didn't matter? Like that, that, that really didn't matter. And it's funny because I think what happens sometimes in life is a lot of times in life, things will happen that recalibrate us. There'll be an event, there'll be a circumstance when all of a sudden we see, hey, maybe things didn't matter the way that I thought they mattered. Maybe this isn't actually that important. And it's funny how life has a way of recalibrating, uh, recalibrating us. And for all of us, as we're watching this online, we're no longer in a building. It's funny how life recalibrates us so we can actually see what's really important because I think there's people this week maybe you realize like I, I didn't realize how much I appreciated my job until I was forced to work from home like I didn't I didn't realize how much I appreciated this until it was gone for some of us it's like man I, I never re appreciated how much work daycares and teachers have to do until I was with my kids all weekend they were screaming it is funny how life has a way of recalibrating us I wonder if there's anyone, you're watching this online right now, and it's amazing that we have this technology and we have these platforms, but I wonder if there's anyone this morning that's like, man, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed gathering together until I wasn't able to. It is funny how life has a way of recalibrating us so we can actually see what really matters. As we continue this series, I want to continue in this, this strand that we're going for. What is next? You see, what we have said in this series, throughout this whole series, we say God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And the message I want to share this morning, I think it's so cool, because I had this planned out uh, before the whole uh, pandemic thing, before I knew that church was going to be online. This whole thing was planned out. Uh, and, and, and I think this message, it's funny how the Lord works, this message is so appropriate, it's so apt for what's happening right now. Uh, and the Lord planted it before any of these things would happen. Um, all that to say, I think God is in front of this. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And what God wants us to do this morning is he wants us to see what really matters. So we're going to go back to John 21 in just a moment, uh, but I really want to set up some context so we can better understand the passage that we were just uh, reading. Uh, in John 21, again, uh, Jesus has just been crucified. And he's rose again. And now, if you're watching online right now, maybe you joined us, you don't even know how you ended up here. Uh, we don't know your church background, but for most people, if they know anything about Jesus, they know this. Jesus was crucified, and Jesus resurrected again. When Jesus resurrected, the disciples saw him. Most of us know that. We know that part of the story, right? What a lot of people don't know is that after Jesus saw his disciples, Jesus left his disciples. And then he came back eight days later. And he saw them one more time. And after Jesus left his disciples and he saw them eight days later, once again, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm leaving. Yeah. And he told them one thing. He said, go to the Sea of Galilee. And he says, I'll meet you there and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And so where we pick up our story, Jesus has told the disciples to go to Galilee. He said, I'll meet you there. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next. And now what happens is the disciples, they go to Galilee. And they go there and they meet Jesus. And the Bible says, and they go there to meet Jesus. But what the Bible says is when they got there, they were waiting for him to come and they were waiting to see what was next. But what happens is Jesus doesn't show up right away. Have you guys ever experienced that where you feel like you're supposed to go somewhere and then you go there and you're like, why am I here? And so Jesus is there, and he tells the, the disciples are there, I should say, and they're waiting. They're saying, where is Jesus? What, what's going to happen? What's next? 
And what the Bible tells us, we don't know exactly what they are thinking. In fact, we don't even know how long they have been at the Sea of Galilee. We don't know how long they've been waiting. But what we can decipher from everything that's going on is there has been enough time that has gone by that the disciples are now facing this time of uncertainty. Because they're there at this place and they're waiting for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't show up right away. And so as they're waiting there, as they're there in this uncertainty, the Bible says this. Simon Peter's like, man, I'm not going to wait any longer. He says, it says, in this verse 3, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. The other disciples said, all right, we'll go with you. Everyone following? Now what we need to understand is this. When Peter says, I'm going fishing, this is not like a Saturday afternoon lazy type of fishing that you may be thinking of right now. Like this is not just going with the boys to hang out. For Peter, fishing was a lifestyle. In fact, fishing was his occupation. This is what he did to make money. If you guys go back in the gospel, you'll see when Jesus first met Peter, the Bible says that Peter was fishing. And Jesus said to him, hey, 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 Peter. He said, leave that. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And so what Peter is doing here, Peter is going back to what he knew. He was going back to his occupation. He was going back to what is familiar. This is so interesting because for three and a half years, Peter, along with the other disciples, they had been following Jesus, saying, Jesus, where you go, we'll go. And Jesus said, hey, you're not going to take anything with you. Just, just go there and I'm going to provide. I'm gonna... And so three and a half years, they have that. And now Jesus is gone. And so they're facing this uncertainty. And it's so interesting how in the midst of uncertainty, Peter goes back to what's familiar. He goes back to what he knows. He says, I'm going fishing. So here's the thing I want to start on this morning, what I want us to understand. Because we're talking about what's next. I think when it comes to what's next, before we understand what is next, there will always be a time of uncertainty. And what happens for so many of us is that when things get uncertain, we go back to what is familiar. When things are uncertain, we go back to what is familiar. You see, in times, and we've all been there, when we don't know what to do next, all of us at some point go back to default mode. It's like, man, I'm not sure what my next step is, but I do know what is safe. I, I know what I know. And so for Peter in this moment, what he knows is fishing. And so he goes back to default mode. You see, the first thing that all of us do when we face uncertainty is we go back to what is familiar. The question I want to ask to us this morning is what is your familiar? What's familiar? What do you do when you are facing unfamiliar circumstances? You see, for some of us, it's like, man, I don't know what's next, so I'm going to go back to default mode. You want to know what default mode is for a lot of us? It's stress. That's just default. Like, I don't, I don't know what the future looks like, so I'm going to stress. I don't know what's next, so I'm just going to have anxiety. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be, you see, all of us have a default mode. And, and it's funny, so often in life what happens, especially in church circles, we preach faith, right? Like, I'm more than a conqueror. I've got faith. I'm living faith over fear. And we talk really big, like when we're together. But a lot of times what happens is that life happens, and life will come in direct contrast to the faith that we just spoke. And what happens in those moments is oftentimes we go back to default. We go back to what is familiar. And so the question I'm asking this morning is, what is familiar for you? It, it, it's so funny. I think it was, it was last Sunday um, that we found out, uh, all of us, I guess, that, that schools and daycares and everything was closing. And um, I, when I found that out, um, 
I remember just, you know, the very first thought I had in that moment was like, man, like it's getting real. Anyone else have that thought? Like we're, it's getting real. And, and in that moment as well, I knew that um, our church services were most likely um, going to be canceled uh, in person, I should say. And of course, um, as things have progressed, we all know that uh, we can't meet together in person. Um, and it's funny because when I found out this news, uh, this was right after I had just preached uh, part two of this series, Next, which you can catch online after you watch this. And in that message, if you listen to it, if you were there, um, I was preaching faith, right? I said, man, God has a plan for us. God has a purpose. God wants to give us vision beyond resources. God wants to do things when it doesn't even make sense. And it's just this faith-filled sermon. And so I had preached it. I had spoken. I had believed it. And now reality struck, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, like church is, is not going to be able to go on the way that we usually go on. And so all of a sudden I have this moment where my reality is about to come in direct contrast to what I had just spoken in faith. And what happened in that time is I began to feel uncertainty about what was going to happen next. And it is funny because for me, I went back to default mode. Instead of having that faith, I went back to what is familiar because in times of uncertainty, we go back to what is familiar. And you want to know what's familiar for me? It's logic. I'm a very logical person. Right? And so the very first thing that I thought when I, when I heard that churches no longer going on, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is going to be terrible for our church. Because if you guys have been with us, if you're part of our church for these last like three, four months, it's been so awesome. We've seen so many new people. We've seen decisions for Jesus. We've seen people come into church that we've been praying for. And then all of a sudden, we have to, we have to shut our doors. And so my first thought was literally like, oh my gosh, like what if people don't come back? Like, what if people don't want to serve anymore? What if people don't want to be on our team? What if no one gives anymore? Like, we're going to have to shut down everything. And so, and so my default mode was to, to, to live logically. Let's just say, okay, well, this is just the facts. This is what it's going to be. And you see, what I'm saying is that every single one of us, we have a default mode. For some of us, our default mode is literally worry. That's, that's what it is. When anything in life happens that is, that is against what we thought was going to happen, when uncertainty arrives, it's like, man, I'm just going to worry because that's what I know. I'm just going to be afraid because that's what I know. I'm just going to have anxiety because that's what I know. And what I want to say is this. The reason that we go back to default is because to go back to default is easier than it is to live in faith. That's why we do it. It's a whole lot easier to be afraid than it is to be brave. Did you guys know that? It's a whole lot easier to live in fear than it is to live in faith, to live with, with, with worry instead of expectation. The reason we go back to default mode is because it's easy. Yeah. Now listen for a second. I told you one thing. This is not a COVID-19 message. Right? This, we, uncertainty is not just about what we're going through right now because the reality is, and I hope someone is listening to this message like eight months from now when we're going through different things. The reality of life is that life is always filled with uncertainty. And so if it wasn't this, it was going to be something else. The question we want to ask ourselves is how do we respond to uncertainty? For some of us, when uncertainty arises, you know what it is? We go back to that addiction. And the reason we go back to it is because we know there's at least some comfort there. We know at least for a moment it's going to feel good. It's funny, for some of us, man, it's like, and I see this all the time, um, our, 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 our familiar is to retreat, is to pull back. I, I meet people, man, this happens all the time. It's like, man, they start coming to church, they start serving, they join our team, but then something happens in life. Maybe they lose their job. Maybe, maybe they get actually more work. They just get stressed out. Their kids get crazy. And their, their default mode is like, man, I've got to pull back. 
Like, I just can't, I can't come to church right now. I can't serve right now. I can't give right now. I just need a season of me right now in my bed. It's funny, all of us have a default. Listen to this. For some of us, you want to know what our default is? It's, it's literally, I'm going to try to fix everything myself. Anyone like that? It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix everything. I'm going to make sure I have all my ducks in a line. I'm going to do what I got to do. You want to know one of the hardest things that we have to do sometimes, and God calls us to it? Sometimes God literally says, be calm, be still, and know that I am the Lord. What we see in this story is that Jesus has said to them, he says, hey, go to Galilee. I will meet you there. I'm, I'm going to meet you there. Just, just wait, and I'm going to tell you what's next. Be calm, be still, know that I am God. But for Peter in this moment, he couldn't sit still. He's like, man, I just, I just, it's, it's just hard because one of the hardest things to do in times of uncertainty is to just trust in God. Yeah. It's to sit back, it's to relax, it's to believe that he is who he says he is. One of the hardest things to do is just be calm. And so Peter says to the boys, he says, I'm going fishing. Verse three. And again, they said to him, well, we'll go with you. If you're going, Peter, I'm going. How many of you guys got ride or dies in your life? <laughs> yeah. Wherever you're going, I'm going. But look at this. It says they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. They went back to what was familiar because what was familiar was easy, but it says that when they got there, there was nothing. Listen, friends, we're talking about uncertainty. We're talking about what really matters. Can I say something to all of us? All of us in this time, all of us in this season, we are tempted to go back to what we know. Guess what? There's nothing there for us. There's nothing there for us. Can I preach that to your spirit right now? There is nothing for you in worry. There is nothing for you in anxiety. There's nothing for you in trying to piece everything together because the reality is this. Sometimes God just calls us to trust in him. Be still, know I am God. Can we be honest? Have any of you guys ever gone back to what's familiar only to see there's actually nothing there? Yeah. You know what this looks like practically a lot of times? It's relationships. Any of you guys ever been in a relationship like you know it's toxic, you know it's bad, but one thing that you know for sure it's familiar, right? There, there's certainty there. And so although it may not be good for me, I know it's not good for me, I, I, I know it's an option mm -hmm. that I can go there. But when I go there, when I went back, man, there was nothing there for me. Mm -hmm. For so many of us, it's, it's, it's worry, it's anxiety. We go back, we go back. And friends, sometimes what we need in our lives is we need people that can speak into us. We need people that can say, hey, guess what? There's nothing there for you. There's nothing there in worry. There's nothing there in depression. There's nothing there in broken relationships. There's nothing there in that addiction. If you go back, there's going to be nothing there. Yeah. And so I was, I was feeling this week, right? Again, I was feeling like, man, like what's going to happen with our church? And so I called one of our elders, Pastor Ryan, and I just love this guy. And I called him uh, and I just told him, you know, kind of what our plan was, what I was feeling. And, and literally like five seconds into that phone call, all of a sudden we started speaking faith. And we started believing together that, guess what? God is in front of this, that God still has a plan. And we just began to believe big. What if God was actually setting something up? What if God was about to use this to actually begin to recalibrate us, to actually help us see what is really most important? And I'm so thankful that I had him in my life to speak into me and take me out of my default mode. 
We all need people in life that say, hey, guess what? There's nothing there for you. Let's, let's go somewhere else. Let's do something different. So listen to this church. In this time when we are disconnected physically, let's not be disconnected emotionally. Let's not be disconnected spiritually. We still have each other. Yeah. It may be FaceTime. It may be our devotions in the morning. It may be a phone call. But the reality is this. Just because we can't be together in proximity does not mean we don't need each other. Because there's someone right now that's dealing with fear, that's dealing with anxiety, that doesn't know what's next, and their default mode is to retreat. Yeah. But what if you were the person that called them today? Yeah. What if you were the person that texted them to say and said, guess what, there's nothing there for you. There's nothing there for you. And so the Bible says they went back and there was nothing there for them. And so it says this in verse 4, it says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. I love this part so much. It says Jesus was standing on the shore. You know what this means? You see, the disciples, they did not really follow his advice of just go there and be there. They went and did their own thing. They went back to the familiar. But you want to know the beauty of Jesus? Come on one second. Come on, church, online, <laughs> in here. The beauty of Jesus is that even though the disciples went back to what was familiar, Jesus met them there. Yeah. It says, as day broke, Jesus was standing on the shore. Can I encourage you for a second? There may be nothing there for you. It may be emptiness you go back to. But guess what? The beauty of Jesus is that Jesus is going to go there to find you. Can I, can I speak to someone right now? Because maybe you've been staying at home for a long time and maybe church online is not really that new for you. Like you've been doing it for a while because like, man, I just I can't leave my house. What if the reason we're all online was that Jesus said, guess what? If you're going to be there, I'm going to bring everyone to you. I'm going to meet you. Come on, somebody. I'm going to meet you there. He meets us there. And so he says, as daybreak, Jesus stood there. Yet the disciples did not know that this was Jesus. For whatever reason, they couldn't recognize him. And it says, it says this, it says, uh, Jesus said to them, though, he said, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, this is so interesting. Because the disciples had just been fishing all night. What we learned earlier in this message was that the disciples were professional fishermen. In other words, they knew what they were doing. And so this guy that they did not recognize, this guy that they did not know, he comes and he gives them some advice. Can we be honest for a second? This is kind of bad advice. He's literally like, man, I know you guys, fellas, I know you've been fishing all night, and I know night is the best time to catch something, but why don't you just move your, foot, your, your net nine feet over? Like, this is terrible advice. It's like, have you guys ever given advice as a joke before? Just like to mess around with someone? It's like when my friend Andrell tries to talk about hockey. Like, he has no idea what he's talking about. Like, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. It's like almost a joke. Like, fellas, why don't you try five feet over? And you'll catch something. It's bad advice. But it's funny because Jesus is telling them to do something that did not make sense. That's the reality of the situation. Jesus is telling them to do something that did not make sense. You know one thing I've realized about Jesus? Sometimes Jesus works in situations, in moments, in times where it does not make sense. Sometimes in, in, in things where we can't understand what's about to happen, God's about to set us up for something miraculous. Listen, what, come on, what if we began to believe that everything we're experiencing right now, God is up to something? 
that God is in front of this, that God is before this, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose? What if we began to believe as a body at Kingdom Church that although we're not meeting together physically, God's actually expanding our team. God's about to expand our walls. God's about to do something because a lot of times when things don't make sense to us, God's moving. God's moving. What if it was during this time of uncertainty that the Lord was about to move? And so the Bible says that they cast their nets. And when they cast it, now they're able to haul it in. They were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The Bible tells us in a few verses it was 153 large fish. You guys ever caught a fish before? 153. So listen, this wasn't minnows. Like, this is a hunt, like large, large fish. They, it was so many fish, they were not able to haul it in. This was a career-defining catch. You need to understand this. Like literally, as fishermen, like this catch would have changed everything. This catch would have put them over the edge. Like this is the kind of catch that you could retire on. Like we're about to make some money. I'm going to put it into my 401ks if we're American. These guys are not from America. But, but literally, like, this is something that would have defined and changed their lives as fishermen. And it's funny because there's no doubt they would have had this temptation to believe, oh my gosh, like, we don't know why we're here, but maybe we were here for fish. Like, maybe the reason that Jesus called us here was to give us all of these fish to set us up for life. Like, maybe that's why we're here. That would have been my temptation to believe that. Like, man, I'm here for fish. And so it's a career-defining catch. But look what I want us to see next. Verse 7, it says this. It says, The disciple whom Jesus loved, and if you're wondering who that is, that's John, the person that wrote this book, refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. It's a weird flex, but he does it a lot in John. Like, yeah, I'm the one he loves. Uh, So that's John. And so look at this. I want to see this. John, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Because remember, they didn't know who this was. He's like, man, this has to be Jesus. And so it says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. I love this picture. Like, literally, like, he, he wasn't naked, but he, he didn't have his outer garment on. He sees that it is Jesus, and he literally throws himself off the boat because he needs to see Jesus. And I can almost imagine him in the water running. Have you guys ever tried to run in water before? You look like a fool. <laughs> and so he sees Jesus and he's, and he's running towards Jesus. Why is this important? What do I want us to see? They had just caught an enormous amount of fish, an amount of fish that could have set them up for life. They could have given them all the security in the world. They could, have, they could have ended all of their worry, all of their uncertainty. But I want us to see what happens when Peter sees that it is Jesus. Peter forgets all of that. And he jumps off the boat. And he says, it is the Lord. And he runs towards Jesus. He runs towards Jesus. You know why he runs towards Jesus? Because when he sees Jesus, nothing else matters. Those fish did not matter. That security did not matter. Everything paled in comparison to Jesus, the Jesus who was now there in the flesh. Nothing else mattered. And you want to know why he was so excited to see Jesus? It's because Jesus was gone. It's because he wasn't there for a while. And so once Peter lost something, it was able to recalibrate him so when he had him again, he could see what actually mattered. 
And when he saw the risen and resurrected Jesus, those fish in the boat, that thing that he thought he needed, that security, that familiar, it paled in comparison to Jesus. It's funny, guys. What if it was during this season that the Lord was trying to recalibrate us as a people to begin to see what really matters? For us here in Canada, us here in St. Albert, in Edmonton, I think like, 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 like never before we are so reliant on ourselves. Like I'm gonna be the one that provides for me. I'm gonna set up my future. I have, and, and it's so funny because we as a people, have you guys ever realized this? We probably set up further in advance than anyone has ever in the history of time. But then all it takes is one thing, like a snap of a finger, and suddenly our plans are all canceled. Suddenly we don't know what's next. And I wonder if it was during this time that the Lord wants to recalibrate our minds, wants to recalibrate our hearts so we can begin to see what's really important. And so the Bible says that he runs towards Jesus. Listen to this, friends. Whatever we're feeling right now, whatever uncertainty lies, there's one answer, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so it says this, verse 8, it says, The other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish. They're like, Peter, like, come on, seriously, bud. Like, <laughs> For they were not far from the land, about 100 yards off. When they got out to the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. You know what I love about this? Is that when they get to the land, Jesus was cooking them breakfast. Like breakfast was ready. But you want to know what this means? Listen to this. It's about to bless us. The very thing that Peter was chasing so hard after, Jesus already had it. It was there for him on the sea. The thing that he thought he needed more than anything else, Jesus already had it. It said when he got to the sea, the fire was cooking, brunch was on the barbie. You know what this means for us, church? In this time of uncertainty, guess what? Jesus has what you're looking for. Jesus already has it. That peace that you're so desperately looking for in the news, that good news you're looking for, Jesus already has it. And it's there waiting for us. And I love this verse, verse 12, one of my favorite verses. It says, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And so Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them with the fish. You see what's so interesting is that we just found out that this miraculous, this miraculous act of this provision of God has happened, this, this career-defining catch, fish and fish abundantly. You know what's so interesting about this story? Is that we never hear anything about the fish again. As if to say it doesn't even matter. All that matters was being in the presence of Jesus. All that matters is being in his presence, fully trusting in him. He says, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast with me. I want to encourage us in this season, friends, as we close, whatever uncertainty we are facing right now, the most important thing is Jesus. And Jesus has exactly what you're looking for. And he has exactly what you need. And so I want to encourage you in this season right now, wherever you are, if you're in your living room, maybe you're in your bed, I want to encourage you, if you've been focusing on yourself so much, if you've been going back to what is familiar, if you've been trying to make it all about you, what if this was the time, what if this was the morning you decided, hey, I'm going to give my everything to Jesus. 
Now, we don't know what you're going through right now. We don't know what's next for you, but what we do know is that Jesus is in charge and that Jesus knows exactly how everything's gonna play out. And so right now, this morning, we wanna give you the opportunity, if you wanna say, hey, I wanna start following Jesus. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, it's super simple. If we were at church right now, we would make you raise your hands, but obviously we can't see you. And so it's just super simple and and, and there's no pressure. But if you're saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're going to send something out to you in order for you to do that. All you're going to have to do is follow the links, follow the steps, and everything will be there for you. Because we want you to be able to lean into Jesus, the one who has what you're looking for, who wants to give you peace, and who wants to give you everything you could ever imagine. Hey, why don't we pray together? Dear God, thank you so much for this platform where we could come together and share this message. And I just pray, God, that whoever needs to hear this, whoever needs hope this morning, Lord, that you would give it to them, that you would just fill us with peace and peace understanding, uh, peace overflowing and peace uh, that we can't even understand. I just pray, God, for all of us who have a default mode, whether that's stress or worry or trying to take control, God, that we give it to you and that we allow you to do a work in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we just thank you again that this message can get out uh, and that your name can be glorified. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, if you'd like to visit us in person, head over to our website, kingdomchurch.ca, and plan your visit today. We can't wait to meet you. Until next time, take care.